Welcome to the Unqualified Scholar Podcast. My name is Todd. I'm here with my friend Alyssa, and we are talking about something that I am not qualified to talk about. There's a long list. <laughs> so there is a question going around TikTok. A question going around TikTok. Um, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? Okay, so a lot. Okay. Right? Okay, because like my... If you were to think in terms of history, the area of history with which I am most concerned is mm -hmm. the first century. Mm -hmm. And geographically, I'm concerned with the region of the, the early church, right? Mm -hmm. First, second, third century. So um, thinking about the Roman Empire for me is actually kind of part of my job. But when you're not working, do you think I'm about it I'm never not working. That's kind okay. of the thing. Like, I'm never not... like. I can cut the grass and be thinking about next week's sermon. Yeah. Right. So am yeah. I punched in or punched out? Yeah. That's yeah. True. So it's it's kind of hard to say when I'm not. Apparently, on duty. males think about the Roman Empire on a very consistent basis. How often do you think about the Roman? Empire? I don't. I you don't, don't? I don't. Like ever? It. Not really. What about like the Third Reich in Germany? Nope. Not even a bit. Nope. Okay, so history in general, the, the assassination of John F. Kennedy. No. Nope don't really the vietnam war no <laughs> what do you spend your time on um not those things not well but give me an example i want to know uh it would be more of okay what's going on next week how are we going to get kids to what places oh, okay so you know that kind the of practical stuff being a mom stuff. yeah, yeah. That, that's fair yeah what book I'm going to read next or listen to next or you know, <clears throat> okay. those kinds of things. Right. I mean, that, that's fair. Um, yeah, I think um, one of the things, like I'm fascinated with Pompeii. Okay. So Pompeii is a city in Italy that was buried by the, the eruption of a volcano. Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting about Pompeii is that um, as, the, as the church developed influence, it destroyed a lot of the artifacts of the Roman Empire mm -hmm. because they were kind of dirty. <laughs> okay, and so all of that stuff was buried in the ash at Pompeii mm -hmm. in AD 79. So they dig up things that are um, representations of the time period. Right. Things that you, I mean, even graffiti. I think I actually have a book about graffiti in Pompeii. Um, but I mean, I've got a book up right there. It's the Roman army. Yeah. So. Well, see, for example... It was it was a trend on TikTok where women were asking their husbands and boyfriends, you know, how often mm. do you listen to the Ro or think about the Roman Empire? And they were very surprised at how often these yeah. guys. Well, I, I did ask my husband and he doesn't think about it at all. Really? Yeah. What does he think about? I'm guessing cars. Yeah. Or Call of Duty. Or sports. Yeah. <clears throat> See, that's the thing. I don't think about sports. Um, I was talking to somebody yesterday and they said they were going to go watch the Browns lose. And so now I'm like, you know what? That's my new code for taking a nap. There you go. So I watched the Browns lose yesterday because I was pretty tired. <laughs> um, something I do know a little bit about um, is the Roman Empire. Yes. Uh, but then also um, the Bible and biblical studies. And one of the things that we have at Shoreline Church um, is something called a culture of honor. And this is really actually kind of important because... The, the church in general, or any entity in general that is trying to do something, has to have a good, healthy culture to mm -hmm. it. 
And it's not something that can be, um, like it's something that everybody has to buy into and participate in. Okay. So think about, uh, I mean, you have a job. What's Mm -hmm. the work culture like? Work? (laughs) Work, (laughs) It's a work. um, uh, And um, You got to be more specific. (laughs) Okay, so when you wake up in the morning and you think about going to work, um, and you think about um, the people that are there, Mm -hmm. are you excited to see them because they're going to invest in you, or are you more on guard? Well, I think it's changed a little bit. At first, it was more on guard, and now it's a little more of a mm-hmm. excitement. Okay, good. That that means that the culture has improved. Right? Yes. Yes. So, if you walked into work every day and everybody was fighting, what's oh, the culture like? Not fun. Yeah, not fun because now you're in management there, right? So mm-hmm. now you're the one who has to solve fights. Mm-hmm. Who wants to do that all day? Right. Right. And churches can be the same kind of thing where mm-hmm. people get um, contentious or they have <clears throat> they have desires that they are unable to feel fulfilled in, mm-hmm. and that creates tension with other people whose desires maybe also aren't getting fulfilled. And everybody has a picture of what the church should be or should be doing. Mm-hmm. We should do this. We should do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, for me, like all of those questions come back around to what does Scripture say that we should be doing? Mm-hmm. And that's where we get our Vision 2025 statements. This is what we're doing as a church. Mm-hmm. Um, are we doing other things? Sure. Are we having fun? Absolutely. We're going to mm-hmm. have a float in the Apple Festival Parade. <laughs> Yeehaw. Um, but it's going to be fun because, like, I have a big grandpa vibe. Mm-hmm. So I love little kids. And mm-hmm. so, like, your kids, when Fiona came up and punched me several times this weekend. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm probably bruised and scarred for life. But <laughs> it's just, it's fun to interact with little kids. And during the Apple Festival Parade, we're going to hand out candy. Now, there are only a few times a year where an adult man who's not related to your children <laughs> can give them candy and it not be creepy. Yes. Right? Easter-ish. Um, Just a reminder, you can't throw the candy at the parade. You have to hand out the you candy. You have to hand the candy. Mm-hmm. So my candy cannon idea won't fly. No. Well, I mean, um, let's talk about that at the next meeting. <clears throat> so, but... And in part of this vision 2025, we have maintain a culture of honor and a culture of honor comes from our study in Ephesians last fall, Uh where we went, um, semi slowly through the book of Ephesians and we looked at the front part now. Okay. The front part, the first three chapters, um, deals with a theology of being a Christian and, it's very important because what Paul is doing is he's laying an intellectual, philosophical foundation for everything else in your life. Okay. It all kind of comes back to your relationship to God. Mm-hmm. And for the Christian, like we get called things like sons of God, daughters too, sons mm-hmm. and daughters of God. That's an incredible idea, right? Mm-hmm. Especially because in the first century during the Roman Empire, um, <laughs> a lot of people were being separated from their families because of their commitment to Jesus Christ. And in that, they became part of what's called a fictive kinship group, a mm-hmm. fake family. And in that family, the closest relational ties were to your brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now in the church, we have, we call each other brother and sister. Okay. Or we could, the Bible does. But we sometimes forget that this is the deep relational connection that we have to one another. And that means that 
um, like you are my sister. Mm-hmm. How can I care for you? How can I help you? How can I advocate for your interests? How can I, or how can let's flip the flip the tables? If I do something wrong, what's your responsibility to me as a sister? Mm-hmm. It's to come point it out. Hey, Todd, you're messing up. Knock it off. It's deeper than just being friends. Yeah. It's deeper than just hi howdy. It's great to see you on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Handshake, side hug, call it call it good. It's much deeper than that. Mm-hmm. And so in the second part of Ephesians, so the first part deals with identifying that deep relational connection, that unity that we're supposed to have. And don't forget, like in the Roman Empire, <laughs> um, some of these people came from a Jewish background uh-huh. where they had a very strong common culture. And other people came from a very pagan background. Right. And they had a lot of different pagan associations along with that. Mm-hmm. They didn't have all of the um, social strictness that the Jews had. Right. They and didn't so now, have the Old Testament that they had to. Yeah. Grew up. They they grew, grew up, up just following. saturated with the ideas right. of God and the and the presence and per, and person of God. And so what happens in the first century is you have these people who are Jews who become Christians and Gentiles who become Christians, and now the the Bible says now they're brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, hold the phone, because some of these Jewish people are like, wait, these people? Like these people. And some of the pagans would be like, wait, those people? Because racism isn't something that's new. Uh These people would not have had good relations prior to this. And now they're in this deep relational unity. Um, and so Paul, in the second part of Ephesians, he gives them uh, some uh, imperatives. So he tells them, this is what you're supposed to do. Based on the fact that you are now brothers and sisters in Christ because of what Jesus did for you, now you're supposed to be in this relational unity. Okay, so we took I took Ephesians 4 and 5 <laughs> and <clears throat> kind of broke it out into sections and created this horrible, horrible acronym. The acronym is forced, um, but I think it's, I would rather force the acronym than force the text of scripture, right? Okay. So work with me. (laughs) The first part of the acronym is, uh, so it's unity is the acronym, U-N-I-T-Y, unity. Okay. The first is U, it's based on Ephesians 4, 1 through 8, and the character statement is this, I will walk worthy with you. That's where you get the U from, right? So it's tortured, U, I will walk worthy with you. And it comes from Ephesians 4. I'm just going to read verse 1 and th- one through 3. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. If you go uh, on the magical internet and you look for... Uh, reasons or even church meetings that went bad and the reasons why they went bad, you can find a list of just dumb reasons <laughs> why churches have gotten into fights. Mm-hmm. Things like carpet color, that's a favorite example. The length of the worship pastor's beard. <laughs> uh, whether staff should or should not have facial hair. Okay. Um, can you think of another example? Um, I remember one from the church growing up of whether or not the Wednesday night children's volunteers should be paid or not. Because when we had volunteers, they weren't paid. But when we couldn't find any more volunteers, we started paying college students and people got upset. Yeah. 
Um, that's, that's like a perennial question, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like everybody on staff except for me is underpaid Mm -hmm. and I I wish that we as a church could afford to pay them more, but Mm -hmm. I'm thankful that they're like, what would you call a person who is partly paid and partly volunteer? (laughs) Part-time. Part-time. Part, well, anyway, I'm, I'm just thankful that we have lots of great volunteers and lots of great staff at the church. So this walking worthy, you know, finding the things that don't matter, being gentle, being patient, mm-hmm. um, because it's all about creating unity. And unity really needs to be wrapped around mission. Like, what is the church supposed to be? That's why this kind of connects with Vision 2025, right? What okay. are we doing as a church? Introducing people to Jesus, helping them follow Jesus better. So then our second statement is, I will know sound teaching. And in this, if you go further down, uh, the text for this is Ephesians 4, 9 through 16. And it sort of starts with um, just the idea that there are different roles in the church. Okay. okay. There are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service. And sometimes people get things backwards, right? Mm-hmm. The energy for the church doing church things is in the congregation. It's not in the pulpit. Right. So I can teach. I can guide. I can... It's train day, by the way. It's train day, yeah. This is the second train. So the text goes through and identifies all these different things that people do, and really so that the congregation, so that the people who are involved in the church can do the works of service and keep building each other up. Mm -hmm. And that's where, like I, you know, speaking of volunteers and people who should be paid, um, or could be paid, should be paid, maybe is the wrong word. That kind of ruins the idea of volunteer, right? Um, but that's where the energy for the church really comes from. It's the people, you know, it's the people who are there. And as they interact with people in their daily lives, like as you meet people in, in your job at real estate or in, mm-hmm. in the uh, salon, you know, you're interacting with people who need to know Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where um, just a simple introduction or a simple, can I pray for you? Those are big things. But our statement is, I will know sound teaching. And at the bottom of that statement, <clears throat> Paul says, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So Paul's using this picture of the church as a body. Mm -hmm. Christ is the head. We are the, the ligaments and sinews, the things that hold everything together. And when you have a child, what happens? Like, what's the natural course? You have a child, the child starts to grow. Mm -hmm. Except for your kids, because they're very small. (laughs) Um, No, but they do. They'll they'll get taller. Mm -hmm. um, They'll get uh, stronger. Um, Lord, help me for the day when I get punched by an adult Fiona. (laughs) She's probably going to be little, so we'll be all right. But that's where, like... When you, when you come back around to knowing sound teaching and understanding the purpose of the church, a lot of churches get this wrong because they think that the purpose of the church is to have a good time. Okay, yes, but, like there's a missional aspect to what the church is doing. Yeah. There's a purpose for it. Or some churches will get caught up with social action. Social action is great. How can we help and serve the community? Mm-hmm. The greatest way that we serve the community is by introducing people to Jesus, right? Yes. Um, that's my humble but accurate opinion, right? Along with 
you know, we have things like children's programming and we have a food program to help people who have food needs. But our, our ultimate um, purpose is really to help people understand and know Jesus better. Mm-hmm. Because everyone, everyone who lives will die and there is an eternal aspect to our relationship with God. Like it transcends everything that happens on this earth. Mm-hmm. So I believe that uh, one day we will all experience this great sense of unity and purpose in heaven like as we are fulfilled in Jesus. Now, there are some theologians who talk about how like this, we have this concept of heaven as this free-floating existence, as disembodied spirits up in the clouds. <laughs> but the reality is, like Scripture says quite a bit about coming back to earth, like Christ is coming back to rule and reign mm-hmm. in a physical existence on earth. It just doesn't end. And so there's, there are some who say that we'll come back and we will inhabit the earth. We'll enjoy sunsets. We'll enjoy all kinds of things. Maybe even good meals. Hmm. I would imagine good meals, right? The best meals. So as our culture of honor goes on, I will walk worthy with you. That's the you. The N is I will know sound teaching. There's no N there. We had to kind of co-opt the word The K know. is silent. The K is silent. So... Uh, the third move is I, okay, I, U-N-I, I will commit to new life. Okay, so I will commit to new life. And this is uh, the section that starts with 417 and goes to 424. And it says something like this uh, at the end in verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So uh, you, I will walk worthy with you, Ephesians 4, 1 through 8. And I will know sound teaching, Ephesians 4, 9 through 16. Mm-hmm. I, I will commit to new life, Ephesians 4, 17 to 24. And in that, it says, look, there's this old way of life that we used to have. Right, And so it looks like Paul's really speaking to the Gentiles now where he says, look, you used to just not care about God. They had the small g gods, like they would do religious things, but they were trying to manipulate God to get their desires or their needs met. Mm -hmm. So rather than ask God for help and healing, they would go make sacrifices to Asclepius, the, the god of healing, and they would, you know, try to manipulate him to get healed. Right. Or they would use magic. Magic was kind of on the fringes where they would, you know, uh, in Ephesus especially, they would use something called Ephesia Grammata, which is magic words Mm -hmm. to get things that they wanted. Lots of love spells in the Ephesia Grammata. Mm, So go figure. Um, But in that, when we're putting off the old self, we're supposed to have a new kind and character of life. Okay. So putting off deceitful desires, putting off the old things. Some of the things that are the old things. Um, I mean, he's talking to the Jews too, because, mm-hmm. you know, they could, they didn't have to stay kosher. They didn't oh, yeah. have mm-hmm. to, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, there were some changes for the Jewish people as well, mm-hmm. right? Like the law didn't just go away for them. Right. But believing that the law earned you something before God. This was really freeing and radical. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> There's a book that I'm about halfway through that talked about how the ideas of Christianity really just drove a wrecking ball through a lot of the religious societies mm-hmm. in the ancient world. Because not that it was radically, 
Like it wasn't dropped out of a spaceship, right? It wasn't so weird that people didn't know what it was, mm -hmm. but it was so different because it freed you from a lot of the manipulating the spirits or following the rules mm -hmm. or being just bound up with things. It was a religion of freedom. It was something that gave, gave you great peace mm -hmm. with God. And that's something that people just didn't think of or experience, right? right? Having peace with God, calling God your father, the idea that your co-religionists were actually brothers and sisters with you. Um, just it's, it's a radical idea, and it's a beautiful idea. So U-N-I-T, Ephesians 4, 25 to 32, which talks about speaking truth to one another. So here's where, like, um, the, the, our character statement is this. I will speak truth to myself and others about sin and weakness. And really, like, in this whole section, put off falsehood, speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Okay. Um, truth is actually hard mm -hmm. because you can be wrong. That's one. Right. So if you go speak truth to your neighbor... Um, <clears throat> they may speak truth back to you and you may need that humility that's already in here to be like, you know what? My bad. I'm so sorry. I was wrong. Mm -hmm. This probably happens most in our husband wife relationship because that's the person that you're the closest to. Yeah. That's the person that you're going to have to make some sort of sort of agreement about how to raise the kids or how to spend the money. You right. know, all of those things are people are things that people in that relationship have to do. But now think about having that level of truth or commitment to truth with people that you go to church with. Mm -hmm. That's different. Like, that's really radical. Like, when would you walk up to somebody and say, you know, I don't think you should have spent money on that? Yeah. I mean, who are you, right? <laughs> <clears throat> but we're supposed to speak truth to, to each other. And, you know, maybe not just about money, but, hey, I think you have an attitude, you know, or I think you might be wrong about something. Um are you bitter? Are you angry? How can I help you? How can I pray for you? We need to be humble about those things. The text goes on in verse 26. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. All these things, like when if we don't manage our conflicts well, it gives the devil an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. Um, <clears throat> there is an enemy of Christianity. And he is looking for ways to split churches and to make churches fail. And sometimes he doesn't have to get off the couch right. because churches are already failing. So if we as a church want to move forward and we're committed to that, we can expect opposition. Right. And so speaking truth to one another, um, it, it goes on uh, in verse 28. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. In the ancient world, people often, uh, it was kind of like a day-to-day -day existence. So you would work, if you were a day laborer, you worked for the day and right. you, got, you got so much money, a loaf of bread, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but your partner who didn't work or your friend who didn't work, he would get nothing. So you would have a social obligation to kind of break your bread in half and share with him today because mm -hmm. he might work tomorrow and you, you might, might not work. work. Mm -hmm. It was actually a situation where um, slaves had it better than day laborers because slaves were owned. Right. Don't think of this as the American slavery problem. Wasn't really based on race. Uh, slaves had rights 
in the Roman Empire. Um, and in that... Well, there was there was a reason to keep your slaves healthy and, yeah. you know, worth, you know, because you, you needed them to run your estate or whatever. Yeah. Whereas a day laborer, you're just hiring them to dig a ditch and mm-hmm. then you don't have to see I need them extra help for this project. Right. But I don't want to take on the costs of maintaining your existence. Right. I'll take you today, but not tomorrow. Right. Yeah. And so that's where the slave was a member of the household. They mm-hmm. had a lower status. That's true. Mm-hmm. But they also had um, probably more reliable uh, ability to eat. You know, right. Just, um, I mean, even just the scraps from the. Yeah. Even just, you know, <clears throat> the what was left over. And bread was the bread was the biggest thing. But speaking truth to one another is so important because if you don't, if you don't have a foundational commitment to truth, then it's really hard to develop a culture where ethics are the norm, mm-hmm. right? Where people are doing and trying to do what is right. Can you imagine, like, probably a military unit is the closest analogy, or maybe even a kitchen, like a professional kitchen. Like what's Hell's the Kitchen? Goal? Uh, maybe not Hell's Kitchen. Maybe <laughs> Heaven's Kitchen. Um, what's the goal of the kitchen? To, to, to put, put out, out a good food, meal, yeah. right? To provide a good experience for your diners. How do they get that done? Well, the sous chef isn't over there thinking, you know, if I was the head chef, I would do it this way. So I'm just going to do it this way. Okay. Have you watched Hell's Kitchen? No. Okay. So that, I mean, the premise is it's a reality show, Gordon Ramsay, and he's taken teams. They're all competing, but they have to work together to get the diners, their food in a timely manner and that kind of thing. So if the person working on fish isn't doing their job, they all are failing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If the fish guy isn't doing the fish thing. Yeah. Yeah. I would hate to be the fish guy. <clears throat> Same thing's true in the military. What's the goal? They have an agreed upon goal. They have uh, assigned roles. They mm-hmm. do their tasks. And um, if you do those tasks with excellence, then you have a better chance of success. Mm-hmm. Hell's Kitchen, same thing, right? Yeah. Um, the Coca-Cola company, right? What's their job? What's their mission in life? To make a lot of money. Make money by <laughs> providing people a pleasurable drinking experience, oh, right? Okay, Coca-Cola, yeah. Make Coca-Cola, mm-hmm. trade people that for money. Mm-hmm. If I could just take a moment, if Coke is listening, bring back orange vanilla Coke Zero. Just do it. Can't you get that in the freestyles at like Wendy's and no. Cedar Point? Oh, yeah, you probably could, yeah. But the thing is, okay, so Coke keeps making like Starlight. What is that? Nobody knows. Oh, Nobody know. cares. Bring back. Orange, vanilla, Coke, zero. Back to the show. <laughs> not sponsored. <laughs> that, 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 this is not sponsored, and that is not a commercial for anything except, you know, the Coke people. You, I will walk worthy with you. I will know sound teaching. I will commit to new life. I will speak truth to myself and others about sin and weakness. Sometimes we lie even to ourselves. And then finally, I will seek Christian maturity and walk in love, in light, and in wisdom. This is all of chapter five. Mm-hmm. And so as you go through chapter five, um, light, walk in the way of love. Okay, so Ephesians 5, 1, follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so walking in love means a commitment to God, our Father, mm-hmm. to his values and his purposes, and then also to his people, his children, right? Mm-hmm. And so if I'm walking in love, it's a deep and abiding commitment to people. 
And that can be kind of intimidating, right? Uh, and then he goes through and he gives a, a bunch of different characteristics there. Um, don't be characterized by sexual immorality or impurity or greed. These are improper for God's holy people. Don't be deceived. Uh, verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. We, we as Christians are often very susceptible to manipulation. And I'm not sure, it, I'm sure that it's not unique to Christians, but we get noticed for it quite a bit. Mm -hmm. That people will, um, with skillful words, try to distract us from the truth. And this is, um, you, you could think about any number of different movements. Did you know that the um, there are two cults out there, the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons, that started within Christianity as mm -hmm. a revival movement? Yeah. And then some talented people with really bad ideas got hold of the movement and turned it away from Christ. So we are always in danger of being turned away from the truth. Mm -hmm. That's why the Bible is so important. That's why we keep coming back to it. Um, <clears throat> walk in light, starting in verse 3 of chapter 5. Um, but if you skip down to 8, it says this. Chapter 5, verse 8. For you were once darkness... But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So light is used in Scripture as a metaphor for being in with God. So being um, not really under scrutiny, but just... Um, <clears throat> what's the word that I would use for that? Just open. Open. Just kind of open before God, okay. examined, you know, by God. Mm -hmm. All, because if you have darkness, right, and you turn the light on, what happens to the darkness? It, it goes away. away. Yeah. Right? So if you're standing before God, standing in the light, mm -hmm. everything that is a shadow inside your person, all of the secret hidden sins, everything God already knows, mm -hmm. you know, and so we should be walking as if God already knows all of our sins and weaknesses. So walk in light. And then finally, verse 15 of this last little bit, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. This is verse 15 of chapter five, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I think we want the days to be good. And we want to go back to a time when the days were good. We want the good old days. Always, you always think the past is the good old days. The past is the good old days. Let's go back to the 1950s, you know, 1.75 children mm -hmm. um, or whatever. Oh, well, like know. we just celebrated the 40th anniversary of church, yeah. you know, so, you know, the, the good, good old, old days day. of working hard and building the church yeah. and, you know. Yeah. And I think um, it was either Ted or, or Steve who said, you know, it was exhausting. It took a lot of the energy of the people to build the building. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes that the ministry of the church actually suffers when you have a big project like that. So be careful how you live. Um, I think that the idea that the days are evil, this was written 2,000 years ago. The days are still evil. We live in a time where evil characterizes everything. Mm. And it doesn't matter if you're the United States of America. I love, I am so thankful that I'm an American. I'm a patriotic uh, person. But I recognize that it's uh, the days are evil. Mm -hmm. The institutions are tainted by sin, you know. Mm -hmm. um, the glory days, um, 
just aren't that glorious. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're broken, and the world is broken. So how, what's my response to that? Be careful. Walk wisely. Mm -hmm. And so as we go through this tortured acronym of unity, I will walk <laughs> worthy with you. I will know sound teaching. I will commit to new life. I will speak truth to myself and others about sin and weakness. And I will seek Christian maturity and walk in love, in light, and in wisdom. And all of this kind of becomes one package. So what I would tell people is, go read Ephesians 4 and 5. Mm -hmm. Read it regularly, and especially when something comes up. When um, some conflict like brawling, brawl breaks out in church, <laughs> uh, what are you supposed to do? Go back to the culture of honor. Go back to the text Break of Scripture. up the brawl first. And well, then... in, in the middle of the brawl, excuse me, can we have a, can I have, bring me a Bible? Let's talk about this. Um yeah, but just go back to the text of Scripture. When you're in conflict, go back to Ephesians. Go back to this part. You can find these ideas in any number of different places in the Bible. It's not uncommon. But we as a church, if we develop a culture where the, the default, like, and I think about our kids and grandkids, where the default is to do these things, to have this idea so firmly in their minds that when something does come up, Hey, what color carpet should we have? Okay, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It could be uh, red or fuchsia or white. White carpet Ooh. would be terrible. But huh. anyway, for practical reasons, right? Not mm -hmm. for theological reasons. Yeah. <clears throat> um, is the building round or square? It doesn't matter. Um, should we do um, like should we do something at the Apple Fest or not do something at the Apple mm -hmm. Fest? You know, all of these things are just methods. You know, right. but the fundamental culture of the church looks like this. And I think that Paul spoke this to the Ephesian church on purpose because they had a real problem with unity. Mm -hmm. And if you look in Revelation, when John writes to the church in Ephesus, he's still talking about unity okay. years and years later. And so we as a church, we as a, as a church, big C church, large picture, all the different churches, the more we have these ideas just built into who we are as a people and as a culture, then we could see a real resurgence, I think, of, um, of good things in the world around us. Yeah. Random question. How many times is love mentioned in those two chapters? So anyway, this, is, uh, this has been our Culture of Honor section of the podcast, and I hope that uh, you'll find ways to honor the people around you. I still think about the Roman Empire. Quite a bit, yeah. yeah. Even today. Probably more today.